the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. One of the best love stories in all of Scripture, David and Goliath. The fact is, we repeat that story all the time. Facing your giants, next on Truth For Today. So how do you face your giants? Vim and vigor? Or do you run and hide? Do you need courage to face life's giants? And there are many of them, aren't there? You see, today on Truth For Today, Pastor Phil Howard reminds us through the life of David that our courage, our strength, and our ability to face our giants comes not from within ourselves, but from God himself. And that is the key to the success David had with his giant. With encouragement from the life of David, here's Pastor Phil Howard and this edition of Truth For Today. Know this, dear believer. God has no power he'll ever give you to conquer a fellow believer. And until you quit attacking God's people, until you quit being critical of God's people, until you figure out who the real enemy is, you can never win God's battles because God will never anoint you to hurt his own. He's big enough to do that. You've got to recognize who the enemy is. Sometimes he might be using the mouth of a Peter, but just say, the devil is using Peter, but don't treat Peter like the devil. I sometimes see uh, Christians that say, oh, I love everybody, and I'm wanting to know when they're going to start loving saints. I, boy, I want to rip, rip one my neighbor. Or, uh, some people just say, no, 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 you've got to know this. I am never attacked in my mind to be mad at one of the devil's children. It's always one of the saints. And when you're in this battle, the enemy will always keep you focused on something wrong with one of God's kids. I wonder who's planning that thought. Get mad at some of the hell's angels. They can take it. They can handle you. They don't care if you're mad at them or not. But I've watched the enemy of my soul. He loves to make me take the war to a saint. The warfare is with the accuser of the brethren who's the head of another army that hates the army we're in. And so until we quit fighting with ourselves, we can never put our strength in fighting the true enemy. He loves a divided house. It always crumbles. Secondly, uh, he refused negative thinking and criticism. <laughs> he, he refused it. Eliab, you're conceited. David didn't say, oh, I must be. Let's study the navel. Maybe I am. He wasn't even into that. You've got to be able to live with criticism to ever win any battles for God. Someone's going to say you're in it for the wrong reasons. Can you imagine? It would look a little, I would be mad at him too if I was Eliab. Where is he getting this courage and this strength? Doesn't he know we've been looking for a solution for 40 days? 
the audacity of this young punk to come into the camp and to act like he's got the solution. You're conceited. You think you're God's gift of soldiers, and Dad's only entrusted you with about 13 sheep. No, he wasn't conceited at all. He was insulted that God's name was being blasphemed by them caving in to the enemy. And then he did not take the advice of, I think, a well-meaning king, but he did not buy into it. Myself, I would have been looking for any excuse you could have gave me to get out of this. Right? I am too young. I'm too young to die. But Saul said, you're not able. Now, he was absolutely wrong. Because was the battle going to be based on the strength of any Israelite or based upon the strength of Almighty God? The strength was going to be from God, but God does not give his strength out to people who are not trusting him. He only dispenses it through the channel of faith. And David's the only one out of all of Israel, because this is what happened. When the spirit left Saul, and Samuel has grown old, the nation is losing its roots. The the battle, there's no spirit of God leading the nation. And all of a sudden, this chosen people that have been led out of Egypt through the Red Sea and miraculously fed and the Jordan River at the swelling of the winter floods stops and they walk across and Jericho falling down after a seven-day march around it. They've lost the sense of their miraculous beginning, miraculous history Because when you lose a sense of God, you lose courage. And David has been not running with the aristocracy of Israel. He's been hanging out with God out in a solitary place taking care of sheep. And when you run with God, you get to believing he could do anything. You get the feeling he's bigger than your enemies. And so he won't listen to the king. He doesn't listen to Eliab, and he obviously is not listening to an unbelieving heart. He listened to the heart that was in pursuit of God. Uh, He refused to use the weapons of the rejected. Saul, once again, I think in a kind gesture, I credit Saul. Here, let me give you what I've got. I want you to have every advantage you can. Here's a tunic. Here's a sword. And... uh, David says, no, I'll take the implements of a shepherd, a staff and a sling. But God's weapon was not a staff nor a sling. God's weapon is always a man or a woman who believes him. And then he uses whatever you've got in your hands. If it's Moses' rod or David's sling, the sling didn't win the battle and the rod didn't part the Red Sea. They were the weak instruments God worked through. But David knew, I don't need a king's sword. I need a God's power. I can do it just fine with what I've got. I like this. Did you know God will use you just the way you are if you're trusting? He's not trying to make everybody into some God doesn't have some clone out here that he wants us all to be like. I cannot tell you how much pressure uh, in coming up in ministry there was 
to be everybody's ideal preacher pastor. Everybody wanting to pour you into their image to fit their expectations. And about the time I thought I was classy, they said, you're from the South, aren't you? I said, are you saying I'm touched? Yeah, you are. You, you sound like country people. You got something against them? Well, you sound like you're from Richmond. Yeah, I am. You, well, you know, need a little bit more, especially when I went to Dallas. i never forget, I was in a theological debate with a bunch of guys. And this one guy says, he may sound country, but he'll win the debate. That's why I love being where I am. It's where I've been all my life. Beethoven was a man that, as you know, struggled with hearing, eventually lost his hearing. When he wrote his ninth symphony, he was totally deaf. He only heard it in his head. He never heard it when the orchestra played it. Just think of that. He wrote it by note from the head without hitting a note on the piano. He couldn't hear it. And uh, Beethoven got word that his... Uh, one of his best friends had lost a child. And Beethoven was very crude, was very rough because of loss of hearing. If you've been around people that lose hearing, they're very awkward at times because you, you feel left out. You don't know if you heard. So he did not have the best of social skills. But he felt he must, by all means, go to the side of this grieving uh, friend of his. And they say he came into the meeting. He just greeted them, and then he just walked over to the piano without saying a word and poured out his emotions for 30 minutes on the piano, expressing what he felt about the situation by music, and then he went to them as he left and said, I'll be praying for you, or goodbye. Just, he just come and greeted. didn't say probably over 20 words, and later on, this individual wrote these words, no one said less, but no one's visit did more for me than Beethoven's. You see, uh, he used what he had. He did it the way Beethoven did it. And uh, David, there's something remarkable here. He doesn't go through a self-esteem class to start looking like a soldier. I'm, a, I'm not trying to be a soldier. I'm a shepherd boy that believes God. There's something wonderful that God uses all kinds, all types, but there's one common denominator. It's not their accent, their look, or their weaponry. It's how they trust God. That's the great weapon. I think the fourth thing I pick up from this story, and I only see a hundred things in it, so forgive me. Uh, he remembered his past victories while facing present challenges. King, I don't need what you uh, offer because you, you weren't there, but uh, I've already killed a lion and a bear. And he says, the Lord has already delivered me from some enemies. I know how God delivers. I grabbed the lion. <laughs> I did the best I could, but let me tell you the outcome. The outcome was determined by God and the Lord delivered me from the lion and the bear. And I, I think being out there with a slingshot and a wooden staff against a lion, that's plenty of challenge. Try it sometime. Go over to Marine World to start in, though. Get the tame ones before they mail you to Africa and the real, you know, 
jungle. Just send you out there with a slingshot and a staff and say, here, kitty, kitty. I want to see if I can do this. There's nothing to it. No, I, I, you see, Palestine was full of bears and lions. It's only through the years that their forest has been devastated. And today we don't see the lion, but they were very thick. And God said in Deuteronomy, I'll judge Israel by lions and bears. I'll bring the wild animals out against you when you're not in covenant with me. So there's plenty of animal life. And he said, God's already delivered me. I don't know what you're facing today. Are you facing an impossible family situation? Are you facing impossible finances? Maybe an impossible parent-child relationship. Maybe an impossible marriage. Whatever is uh, come up against you, Right now, you need to remember past victories. Has God done anything for you in the past? Because when we're in the struggles of life, we tend to remember what we ought to forget, and we forget what we ought to remember. Do we not? When you're in the struggle, you'll remember everyone that's ever done you wrong. You'll remember every negative experience when you're down. And when you're really walking with God, you can remember all the good God and his people have done for you in the past. Because when you're down and out, you never think you'll be up. And when you're up, you never think you'll be down. You need to remember the experiences. It's a precious. That's why journaling, if you write down things, I love to be my sister. uh, I I love to be be with my sister Hazel and Paul because they're the family historians. Uh, I didn't land until they were up there, and they, had, they remembered so much of our family history before I was even born. And, and they are also storytellers. They're far better at it than I am. And I love, we, when we have Christmas sometimes, we'll record my sister, or we'll record Paul. They, they tell stories. I mean, man, you, you, we ought to have a whole set of books on Howard's and what happened back there that I used them for sermons for years because I... They're fantastic stories. And what, the ones that aren't about sin are about salvation. And it's not talking about how bad the people were back there and what they came through and, uh, in that Indian country and those early days in Missouri and Oklahoma and all that stuff. Then we start talking about the, the save side. And those stories have helped me for 40 years as a Christian, what God did for my grandmother, what he did for my dad, what he did here. You know, stuff like, uh, you, none of you believe this stuff, Harley, but I'll tell you anyway. My, my folks, we never went to the doctor because we didn't have any money. So it really made it easy to believe in divine healing. And we did. And uh, when one of us kids got sick, you didn't call the doctor. You, you, everybody went on their knees and we prayed. And hope dad didn't put too much methylate, because if it didn't burn, he didn't think it healed. Anybody grow up on that? Okay. And uh, some of the homemade recipes he made, all of us kids prayed for modern medicine to come in. I mean, it sort of killed you off. I remember the story, and this family story, my sister broke out in boils and could not sleep. It had them all under her arm. And uh, my mother was with her that day. She was in great misery. 
They weren't lacerating the boy. They didn't know what to do. And my mother, a simple faith woman, she just prayed. But the next morning, early in the morning, she came into Hazel's bedroom and she said, Lift your arms. Lift your arms. Why, Mama? It's early. I prayed yesterday. I want to see if I got an answer. Healed. They were gone. My folks would tell these stories, you know, depression stories that the younger generation, oh, here we go walking through the snow with cardboard in our shoes. They don't don't even want to hear it. But I heard them because God was calling me to a life of faith in the 50s and 60s in my journey. And when I didn't have food, I said, God heard my dad. He'll hear me. And now my girls have grown up with all these stories. We prayed this in. You know that Christmas when you got something, guess what? Your mom and daddy prayed, and a man gave us $100, and we bought you that bike. We didn't have it in the bank. You know how you got this? You know how you got your teeth fixed? We prayed, and God answered this prayer and gave me the $500. I made the deposit. And guess what? And now when I'm under attack and when I face the Goliath of impossible situations, I reach back in my memory bank and I start saying, let me tell you, Satan, what he did for me yesterday. It's why I love the McGee stories and the E.V. Hills coming from nothing to something. And when you're in the battle against an impossible situation, rehearse in your mind what God has done for his people. That's why he gave his word that we would never forget the historical deliverances of God among the armies of his people. He doesn't want you to ever forget it. And if you have no stories of your own, you can start reading this Bible from lid to lid, and you'll see God break sin time after time in impossible situations to deliver his people. It's the story, the Germans, I wish I could say it right, it's called Sacred Historical History. It's history with a sacred interpretation. Fifthly, uh, rely on God's strength displayed through weak tools. <laughs> Don't you love it when he said, when David saw him in 45, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel. I'll just leave that. Don't have time. I've been going so long. I never want to stop in these narratives. Sixth thing is he realized the outcome of the battle is the Lord's. And uh, I just want you to see two passages, and then I'll just stop. Cannot preach these. I'll just put them in your notes and be thankful that you didn't get to hear me anymore. Second Chronicles 20. I just want to see where that phrase is used. Jehoshaphat is under siege by Ammon and Moab. They're coming to destroy them. And uh, Jehoshaphat prays a magnificent prayer in verses 5 through 12. I pick up verse 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Now watch in verse 15. A prophet comes to him, Jehaziel, 
Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Turn with me to chapter 32, Hezekiah, city of Jerusalem under siege by Sennacherib. And this was no man to mess with. This is a powerful Assyrian army. And uh, good old King Hezekiah wants to encourage his people. In verse 6, he appointed military officers over the people and assembled them before him in the square of the city gate, encouraged them with these words, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of the king of Assyria and the vast army with him. For there is a greater power with us than with him. With him is only the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. The battle, dear saints, if God is not in charge of your life and in charge of this army he calls the church, we don't have a fighting chance. If he is the captain of the army, we can't lose. He comes in Revelation 19. He conquers all the armies of the Antichrist. And guess what weapon he uses? He does not use a sword. He does not use a sling. He does not use a rod. He speaks his word, and his word slays them. I hear old Luther say, one word from him shall fell him. Our enemy is great in power and might, but one word from Lord Sabbat shall fell him. I want to tell you, saints of God, because you belong to God, Christ has become the captain of our warfare. He is in charge of the battles of your life. He wants you to trust him, and no matter what you offer, no matter how little you have, how weak you are, the battle is not in the hands of Saul, Eliab, and it's really not in David's hand. But God always shows his power to deliver when somebody on earth believes him. The power is paralyzed for 40 days until faith writes a check. And David says, God, you called this nation through Abraham. God, you brought us out with Moses. God, you did something in Jericho. I'm here to say the God of the armies of Israel has not died like Dagon. You are alive. Show your power. And I want to say right now, the God of the empty tomb is still alive. The God of Calvary is still alive. And the God who is going to end history on time and his way is still on the throne. There's nothing impossible in your life. To him that believeth, nothing is impossible. He will do exceedingly abundantly above. That's a great motto I have on a wall in our house. And it's this. Obstacles are what we focus on when we lose sight of the goal. When you're not looking to the author and finisher of your faith and what he wants you to be, all you see is giants. Obstacles and excuses. Fix your eyes on Jesus, lest you be discouraged. The captain will win. He will win. But you want to be one that said, I said you could. You know what? 
We're all going to be there someday, and all of us, even the ones that were the sluggards and the draggers, say, oh, I, you did it, didn't you? You won. Wouldn't you feel sheepish? That you won in spite of you, oh, you can't do it. I would, you saw, kid, you can't do it. I wonder when he brought the head up to him, said, you're the guy that said can't. But God said I could. Let's be looking for Jesus so that when he conquers history, we were the ones that said, we always said you could, no matter what the odds were against you. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855-833-9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.